Hello legends, today is our 150th episode and to celebrate such a milestone, I asked my good friend Stephen Khalil to join us on today's episode. Stephen is an international fashion design icon. He is one of Australia's leading red carpet and bridal gown designers, having his garments worn by everybody from Kylie Jenner to Emily Ratajkowski. And on red carpets like the Grammys and the Oscars, Stephen was even invited to show his designs at Paris Couture Fashion Week. In today's conversation, me and Stephen discuss how to make every customer feel special, like they're your first customer. How to turn negatives like naysayers into positives like motivation and drive. And how consistency is the key to expansion and growth. So let's get into it. Welcome to the show, Stephen. Thanks, Kill. Daniel. Well, it's great to be here. It is. Well, we actually haven't caught up in in a long time, anyway. So I know, right? I, I, it's it's probably advantageous. For, it's just good for our friendship that I forced you to come catch up with me. I know. That's why it's good because we bump into each other. We're always like, we got to do this. We got to do that. <laughs> oh, we finally got you. We finally got you. And and I mean, you are the king of wedding dresses. Oh, go ahead. That's a, that's a big. That's a it, big. It is, but I think it's appropriate. Cool. Yeah, thank and, you. And I want to, I want to, I want to learn your whole story. I've never, I mean, the amount of times we've had dinner and whatnot. Yeah, I've never actually asked you how you started. Were you, were you always in in fashion and, and and particularly wedding dresses and and and, and yeah. things, or, or how did you start in the in the game? I'd have to say I was very attracted to wedding gowns from a really young age, like six years old, and it just stuck with me. And throughout high school, I would say to my teachers, I want to learn fashion and look back 25 going on 30 years ago, it kind of was, people did not realize that fashion was a career. They thought clothes just miraculously appeared. So when I'd say it, they'd be that I was going to be a fashion designer. It was so new to so many people, especially within the Lebanese community. So um, I had to push through that stigma of people thinking I was just a dressmaker and having to turn it into a career. So it was either going to go two ways. I was going to be a sewing at home for my bedroom and just be a dressmaker, or I was going to turn this into a brand. So it was the other. I, I had to turn this into a brand. And look, I was it was the blind leading the blind for me because I didn't know what I was doing. My parents do not come from business. They don't know anything about it. Um, my Both my parents are Lebanese, born in Lebanon, um, they came out here when they were 21 years old. So I was um, pioneering this thing that nobody could help me with. So it was just learning, making mistakes and growing as I went on. But it, sa- it just sounds like you had a lot of, uh, I don't want to say adversities, but like barriers in that like, well, fashion was, oh, that's not a career. Yes. And also uh, business. Well, well, no one, no one around me knows about business. Yeah. And and it, 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 but what you did do was you just followed your passion. Yeah, absolutely. What you like to do, yeah. and, and that seemed to have led you in in the right direction. And so, did you go straight from, um, uh, did you get a job in the industry, or did you go straight from school to 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 starting a business, or? Ha- well, throughout high school, I studied textiles and design. Only boy in the class. Got teased and ridiculed for it. Yeah, how was that? But I pushed through it. It was good. In the end, it was fine. Um, Left school, went straight into college, started to study, went full force into fashion. 
Um, I got a job when I was about 18 just helping out in a bridal boutique and I would be just the helping hand. So I was watching and learning and doing all that and then they start. I started to actually make dresses for this company, like little flower girl dresses. They started me small and then I grew into bigger roles. But by the time I was about 21, I was offered a position in Double Bay for a bridal boutique called Mark Holt Bridal. And they took me on as their head designer at 21. Wow. So I took that business and we were, you know, on the covers of every magazine. The shop was on New South Head Road. So I was living the dream. I was 21. I was had complete creative freedom into this, into this business. And um, I started to design and we got busier and the dresses were in the windows and um, people were stopping and looking at the dresses in the windows and it just, the business grew and I stayed with them for about six years. And is that, so is that how you really kind of got your first foot in the door in terms of being known yes. as a wedding uh, wedding dress designer, wedding, ga- wedding ga- gown or Yeah, dress? yeah, yeah, wedding dress designer. Wedding dress designer. Yeah. And, and that was what I specialised in. You know, it's almost like law. There's so many different branches. So with fashion, you can go into mainstream fashion. You can go into bridal couture. You can go into ready to wear. You know, there's so many avenues. But I was, I sort of took that route. And what made you, did that just appeal to you? How did you choose that? Well, when I was six years old, I saw Princess Diana get married and I saw that dress. I saw her get out of the car and I was automatically attracted to it. Isn't that amazing? And though, that's where it happened. How when you're young, things just sit with you. Yeah. Like you, you, you know, you might be a young kid, not know what your passion or dream is, you, and then you see it. Yeah. And you're like, what? Well, that's yeah. what I want to do. It felt familiar, you know. Wow. And that's what I was this, instinctual. It was very instinctual, and it felt really familiar to the point where I almost felt like I did it another lifetime. Wow. And even at college, I would do something, and the teacher would say to me, "Who taught you to do that?" And I just said, "I just." sort of bluffed it and sort of thought about it. And she was, and you know, she's always like, wow, it's almost like you've done that before. So some people yeah, are just are made to do things. I mean, I was lucky in a similar sense to that. I always loved business. Yeah. And so I knew I was going to get into business. I didn't know what business. I didn't even yeah. care what business. And you kind of grew up in a business environment. Yes. So yeah. You so had that. It was, it, I had the, I had I actually had an easier path than, than yourself in terms of like that was a, a viable option. That was an encouraged option yeah. um, business. But but I did have that passion for it. But I think what you're describing is something even greater. It's 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 instinctual. Yeah. And, and you mentioned that school was a bit tough because you were uh, the only little boy studying uh, textiles and design. Mm. Uh, when I say little, I don't know how old you are, whether you're high school or, or younger. But, We'd but, be year eight. Yeah, so yeah. so still a little boy. 13, There's 14, 14, yeah. And yeah. um, you were the only uh, uh, boy really interested in that. Do you feel like that was a – I assume at the time it would have been a negative experience, Do you? F- but do you feel like it was – a positive in the long term or how did you handle that? I think in the long term when people saw the success and they saw my determination, they t- it turned around. It really did. But I was very unfazed. I was a kind of uh, – I never let anything hinder what I wanted to do. What I wanted to do. I was very – Determined. Determined. But I just think that's such a, um, a real thing. Like 
everyone's going to try to deter you whenever mm. you want, when you say, you know, if you ever say, I want to do this, yeah, everyone's going to be like, nah, you can't do that. But then once people see, oh, shit, they're, they're becoming exactly. successful, exactly. they want to be your friend. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, like, oh, you know, I remember that time. That's <laughs> exactly the story. Nobody <laughs> yeah. wanted a bar of me. Yeah. <laughs> but then, you know, and going back to, you know, how you said where it all started um, with my, when I was designing in Double Bay, um, I started to dress, like we dressed – when Ricky Ponting was the captain of the cricket team and his wife came to me for her wedding dress and I was like 22 years old and that snow that started to snowball into bigger and greater things as well. So that's when a lot of things started to really, everyone was like, oh, this is, this is seriously happening. Yeah, yeah he's, like, the, he's is, a somebody yeah, now. Yeah, this is <laughs> happening now. So, yeah, so we relate that back to, you know, when, you were, when I was younger and, and you know, it just, every, it, everything takes a full circle, right? Mm. People, but most people are scared of following their passions and dreams. Yeah. And so they'll talk down on it. Yeah. But then when they see someone that does do it and, and does well, well, I want to be friends with that person because yeah. they're successful. You know, it, it's just such an interesting kind of social or, or human thing that happens. But, but some people just have that, that determination and mental fortitude like yeah. you did to, to actually push through and, yeah. and, and to get there. And how did you actually get a job as head designer at 21? Because I assume you wouldn't have had that much experience yet to show for it. Yeah, well, I sort of pulled a portfolio together of dresses that I'd made or worked on in the past and um, I took it to this bridal boutique. At the time, they were selling it to a woman who had no experience or knowledge of of the, of the business, but she was buying the business. Um, so they were looking for someone to take over. So they were leaving and they were giving handing it over to this um a new lady who bought this the business. new lady who'd brought the business. Um so they'd hired me to do to do the dressmaking and get get you know, get it all started. And that's how it happened. Like Is I'd it- known of the role somehow and they'd said to me, You should you should come and apply for this role. They thought I was too young, but then when they saw my work, they took it really seriously. And then two, through two or three interviews later, they said to me, "You've got the job." Yeah, well, that is young. Like, but but it speaks to the point that it was just instinctual for you. At twenty-one, I couldn't tie my own shoelace. Yeah, you know, at twenty-one, you don't know what's going on in yeah. the world. But you understood what you did. You, I had natural. to. I had to make it work, Daniel, because mm. I had a lot of people to prove wrong. Yeah. Well that and that's <laughs> There was nobody on my side. <laughs> but that this I think that's the it, it, I I really do believe that there's a that for every down there's an up and you know yeah. perhaps the down of the doubters in you gave you that extra determination yeah. to show them like yeah. no no I'm I'm, I'm I have to say deal. my mum was really supportive. She didn't understand it. But she she supported she Shout wanted out me to, to Mama Khalil. She wanted me to do what I loved and do what I wanted to do. You know, isn't that a beautiful, encouraging thing? Yeah. And so, when did you get to the point where you're like, okay, I've I've built a bit of a brand for myself. Yeah. I'm going to take the leap to to start your own. Business. Well, look, I would have happily worked and designed for somebody, but I if they'd allowed me to grow, you know, I wanted to be obviously making more money and things like that, and just having more creative freedom. And I was learning so much about myself working with working for that brand that I was doing it most of it myself. Um, but like, it's such a story how it all happened, but I had a flatmate and she would always say to me, she was in an industry that I think she wanted to get out of. So she would always say to me, I want to invest in your business. Let me open your own store. 
So in the end, I took her up on the offer and she, we worked together um, for about a year and then I decided um, that it was probably best for me to go out on my own because that wasn't working, that, that business partnership yeah. wasn't working um, for many reasons. Um, yeah, it's hard. Business partnerships yeah, are hard, particularly hard. if you've never worked together yeah. before. And right? a lot of things that happened that were supposed to happen and I was disappointed and so I moved on and, um, and that's how the business started. You know? so, so, I mean, you got to thank her for, I guess, Absolutely. giving you that, that little kick. To, Absolutely. It didn't work out. But Although so, it was, it, some of it was really ugly. Yeah. We have, you have to thank them for it. And everything know? happens for a reason. Absolutely. Like, you know, maybe that wasn't supposed to be the case that we're business partners, but perhaps I met you or whether I met you, did you meet her when she moved in with you? Or you yeah, we were flatmates. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, just the fact that you moved out and randomly found her as a flatmate gave yeah. you, gave you that little opportunity. It was it's so, it's crazy how sometimes you think everything in life happens for a reason. I believe and that it. Destiny just lays the cards out in front of you and you just watch it all unfold. And, and tell me about the business now. So, I mean, obviously, uh, your dresses are the shit. Like they've been in all the, for lack of a better, better yeah. way to say it, like you've been on the red carpets, you've yeah. been overseas, you've got, you've gone to Fashion Week, is that correct? Yeah, we did in... Couture Fashion Week in Paris. Wow. In 2019, and... just before the COVID hit and all that. And also just your, your, your brand name, which is your name, is just renowned in, yeah. in, in Australian weddings and, and wedding dresses. Like yeah. I speak to, I was even speaking to some of the, I mean, I was speaking to Laura and Laura was like, oh my God, Stephen Lilchers, yeah. I can't believe he's coming in. You know, so it, it speaks to the, the stage of your business. What, how did you get it from, okay, I'm starting out on my own. I don't have a shop. I don't know if you had a shop or whatever yeah. you had to the powerhouse it is today. Well, you know, it's, I always say it's about being consistent and evolving. You have to constantly change. I can't be making the same dresses over and over again. I can't be doing the same thing over. So I would just think of new ways to evolve, new ways to change. Um, and I think what the brand has is longevity. Anything that is consistent and uh, has longevity, I think it can be successful as long as you're running it right. And you've got the right people behind you. So I've got great um, accountants and business coaches that have been with me for 17 years and they've been the, 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 the push that has, you know, led me in the right directions business-wise. I was always good creatively but I needed them to push me in the business direction that I needed to go. But that's interesting because, you again, you knew what your strength was, which was to do what was almost instinctual to you, which was the creativity and the design. Mm. But you did then surround yourself with who, you, what you realized was a whole, which was perhaps the the finance and and yeah. business coaches. And tell me about your business coach because I've always been one to criticize business coaches. Yeah. And um, even though I know there's plenty of amazing ones, and in fact, there's lots of incredible people at Cub. Yeah. Um, but well, yeah, yeah tell me your experience with business coach. Well, my business coach was she was she's she's like a lawyer as well, so she's my lawyer. But she we just evolved into business coaching. So she's, I don't know if she is um, a trained business coach, but she, it just evolved into that for us because we had a, she's my accountant's husband, she's my accountant's wife and she does the law for the accounts and things like that. And then we developed a, a relationship and a friendship and then evolved into that. And so she's so like a bit of a sounding board. She's a sounding board. She gives me direction. She helps me with the staff. She, um, 
So I don't know if that's traditionally what business coaches do, but I sort of call her my business coach because she's like a she's like a fairy godmother of business. Yeah, but I know? think everyone can relate to that. It's kind of like having that friend that you can speak to about your business that's maybe separate to your other friends that that you know you can yeah. you can talk in confidence with. Yeah, absolutely. And, and share ideas. And I really like the idea of yeah, consistency being a key part to a business's long-term Absolutely. success. Yeah. But you actually are in a funny position because you can't be too consistent because not everyone can wear the same dress. That's right. So you've got to be consistent in your delivery. In yes. your your consistency comes from service, quality, delivery. Um but then yeah, you need to evolve in creativity. creativity. Um evolving with fashion. Fashion changes overnight. That too, you know? that too. And yeah. and what are your secrets to – because you're, you're selling premium dresses. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm assuming uh, – I'm not married yet, but when I do I'll be coming to you as we've discussed. But yeah, but, so. but but I'm assuming that then you're having to deliver – you're going to have to make people feel special. This is the most special day of their lives. Absolutely. This is this most special dress they're ever wearing. This yep. is you – know, how do you – how are you able to match the service level with the specialness of the occasion and the address? And what the dress? I've learned to do is put, take myself out of the equation and just put myself in to the shoes of the client and I have to reinvent myself every time. A girl walks through the door. To suit that client. Yeah, to suit that client, to make, to not feel like that I've done it for the last 30 years. She's done, this is the first time she's doing it. So I work really hard to try to make, try to make them feel like I've never done it before and this is all for them. Wow. You know? And yes. that's, like it's that's, a special occasion for you as well. Absolutely. And I think that's a key secret is just making it special for them. Because when you've done something over and over again, it's really easy to lose the specialness of it. Yes. For me. Yes. You know? No, I think that's So cool. I've got to go, okay, this girl, it's her first time. She's never done it before. I've got to make her feel like, you know, I'm fresh and new and but ready. I think that's like for really every business, if you are successful, you have got consistency in what you're delivering. And if you have consistency in what you're delivering, perhaps what is special is the person you're delivering it for. Absolutely, yeah. And, and you know, how can we show this person that they're special, that yeah. the fact that they're using the thing that we do over and over again, yeah. but it's special because they're the ones doing it this yeah, time absolutely. and not someone else. That's a really cool yeah. um, thought. I've, no one's ever, I've never had that thought before, but yeah. it's, it's kind of like you, the customer, uh, yeah. what makes makes my product special because absolutely without you I mean I know how to execute this operational system you walk in this what happens yeah this yeah. person does this but but the fact that it's you is what makes it different and so I want to get to know you I think a lot of businesses can I know can, we might even tie that into some something to do with the title of this episode something about you know yeah the, the customer is what's special type yeah thing. and look you got to constantly remind yourself about that you know because we do I think customer service is something that is you just got to constantly retrain yourself to do that, you know? Yeah. It's – you can forget about it. Yeah. You know, you can – especially when you get to your level and it's like, well, they're coming anyway. Yeah. You know, they, they're not not coming. Yeah. They, they, they're going to be coming to get their dress. Yeah. And the phone is going to be ringing. Yeah. And that that could be difficult to be like, you know, to, to keep that – the energy. Yeah. But I guess you are passionate yeah, and it is such a special moment for for somebody that that 
that you could probably feed off their energy. Well, that's, you know, with with the couture clients, the ones that are coming in to sit with me and have me design the gown for them, that's exactly what I do. I feed off their style, their personal style, how they how how they dress. I always say to the girls, show me what you love so I can then, um, you know, put that into how I'm going to design this dress for you. Because really the dress has to suit her, not me. Yeah. Which you know? is kind of odd because if you think it's like it's a Stephen Khalil dress, but it's a Stephen Khalil dress for Laura Ropers. Yeah. You know exactly. what I mean? Like it's, exactly. it's so it's 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 gotta have that flavor of you, yeah. but also it's gotta be them. That's right. Yeah, it's such an interesting industry. And look, one thing that I think is really important in business is to not bring your personal life into it. I don't know if you if this, if if you relate to this, but when you come to work, you just got to whatever's going on for you in your world. You got to really leave it at the door. Oh, I, as a leader, for your team, I believe that's the case. For your staff, for your you know, there's a lot of responsibility. I think people forget how much his weight is on the shoulders of a person that owns a business. You preach into the choir. Yeah, I I I, I think as a leader that you're here to lead. You're not here to, to bring in more problems. Yeah. And everyone in, in, in life has problems. Yeah. I encourage the team to, when they've got a personal problem, to bring it up to me so we can help resolve it. And yeah. help. Because if, if someone, exactly. most people, if they've got a problem, they bring it to work and, yeah. and it affects their work. It then affects the culture of the Absolutely. team and it becomes a disaster. But as a leader, you don't have that luxury. Yeah. There's a lot of people out there telling, oh, you know, being a leader, you should be also, uh, what's it called? Um vulnerable so that thanks yeah. Laura like you should be vulnerable and yeah okay there's there's an element of thing but but I've never found a time where me bringing my problems to work has helped yeah <laughs> no I've just never had it and you it's almost like it's almost like we can't be vulnerable no I agree it's like, it's I agree. like oh am I allowed to be vulnerable or will this all fall apart well I'll tell you, you I know? get sent this book all the time I've actually been sent it three times so not all the time but three times a lot of times to be sent a book yeah and it's always from um Female members of Cub, shout out to them who are all amazing. But but it's always been a woman sent it to me, and it was uh, it's called it's by Brene Brown, and it's called um, I don't know, but someone told me it's something to do with being vulnerable, vulnerable leadership, or yeah. things like that. Yeah. And so obviously they can probably tell that I need to read this book because I've been sent it. Are they three hinting times. to you that you need to be they more must vulnerable? Be. They must be. Okay. But but but. Um, but they're not the team. They're, they're members of Cubs, so maybe I need to be more vulnerable towards Maybe members. that's a hint, yeah. Daniel. But and tell me, if, if, have your so when you look at your dresses going through, uh, how, many, how many years has the brand Stephen Khalil? Well, look, with me, because throughout me working for other brands, I was also working for myself. So it's going to be 30 years next year. Okay, so you've had three decades. How, how old are you? I'm 47. No. Yeah. I actually had no idea. I know. I, no I one 37 maybe. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. Anyway, so you've got three decades of um, fashion changing and you having to design with that. Is it really cool to be able to look back, to look back through the, you know, not even the decades yeah. but the years and be oh. able to see how fashion has evolved in the wedding industry? Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, just well, the other day my partner who's also a designer – um, Handy. He said to me, he said, I actually love your old work more than your current work. <laughs> and it made me go back and go, oh, yeah. He's like, well, you know, he was telling me to bring it back into, you know, into the present 
sort of current designs. And what are doing. the differences? So like what, what would be the differences in the fashion of wedding dresses 20 years ago, 30 years ago uh, compared to today? Um, you know, today everything is um, so much is in fashion for bridal. You've got full gowns, you've got fitted. But I think my gowns 20 years ago were a little bit more pared back, a lot more simple, um, yeah, and more flowing and like a little bit more like softer detailing. Traditional? So, yeah. So now it's becoming a little bit more heavier and and a little bit more embellished and harder and and over detailed. And so, yeah, so I think, you know, they it does evolve in that way, like the embellishments, the fabrics, the flow. So many things. And you do see that with a lot of the, like, even the ready-to-wear for the, like, major, like, Balmain and, and, and all these brands where you've yeah. got just the, such intricate detail on, 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 on some of the clothing. Yes. So you kind of see it happen not just in the wedding industry, industry but all, fashion. Also but fashion. Also, also fashion. fashion. So it, it's just so cool. To, it is. You've got, like, a... A time. I'm. Sh- I'm assuming you have a photo of every gown you've made. Yes. You know, you've really got a time stamp on you know every single month of the year for the past thirty years, of which you can say, "Wow, that's what I accomplished that month." That's what yeah. I got. like. Yeah. That would be so cool for. for I'd well, love we're to looking that. at doing a coffee table book, so it's going to be amazing just to look back at the history of what what I've created over time and where it's come from and where it's going and where it's gone and what it's become. I think it's a fantastic idea. Yeah. I think, and even great for clients to see, like, to get inspiration, to yeah. see what you've done. Like, I think that's, if you need to, to talk to someone about books, we've got a few people at Cub that can, oh, good. that could assist. They, they help you with the, the, they get it done, published, they get all the, they put everything together for you. Okay. Well, that's They're really, really good, good to know. Because yeah, that would be fantastic. Yeah. Um, and tell me about one thing that I'm certain, I don't know how much you want to speak about it, but I am certain would happen to you a fair bit is difficult clients. Mm-hmm. And yes. I mean, because not only are you dealing with people and their wedding, and wedding day and, you know, wedding process, yeah. but you're also dealing with uh, typically relatively affluent people yeah. on their weddings, which yeah. as we know can be the most difficult people. Yeah. Two questions. What is the – and obviously you don't say the details and things, right? What is – the most difficult client that you've ever had and what have they made, how, how have they been difficult for you? And the second is how do you overcome the challenges of ha- how do you, not objection handle, yeah. but how do you handle uh, clients with, with you know, that could be demanding or yeah. unhappy or yeah. because this happens to every business, but when you're designing a wedding dress, I'm yeah. assuming that happens a lot. Of course. Um, it's a tough subject for me because – when a girl comes to me, when a bride comes to me for her wedding dress, there is so much external noise that is involved in her stress. And the dress is a moving target. This wedding dress is the target for all of her stress. Like one story I've got, we years and years ago, I had one bride and she was so difficult and I just couldn't get past it. So I just looked at her and I said, Let's just take the dress off and I want you to, to go away and sort out whatever's going on for you and then we can regroup. And a week later the whole wedding was called off. <gasps> yeah. No. Because I just said to you her, <laughs> if there is something bigger than this dress going on right now. Which, because, you know, and I said, we just you just got to sort it out. Wow. Yeah. 
Well, have there been many? Have there been many weddings? Do, do, do many Look, weddings, weddings get do, called off? They do. Yeah, they I, do. Don't I wouldn't say many. Let's say but it happens. Over about say two hundred weddings a year, you'd probably have five. Uh, so a small amount that get called off. Maybe ten. No, I don't even think it reaches ten. Yeah. Wow. And hopefully. Um, and it's well, sad. I mean, either way, you've already designed. I mean, it's sad that you don't get to use the dress. Yeah, it's sad. <laughs> Look, it's sad on many levels. Yeah. We don't want to see. It's sad for the girls, mm. you know, when you get that phone call and they can't even speak through their tears to say the wedding's, oh, you know, the wedding's called off. It's sad. Yeah, it's just part of the job. But yeah, most of the time, do you actually go to uh, on the 195 out of 200 weddings? Yeah. Yeah, that, that, that you would design for. Do you go to the wedding yourself? Yeah, look, I've, in the past I have, and especially if I develop a friendship with the bride, I'll go to the wedding. Mm-hmm. But um, over time I've learned to sort of create that separation um, because so many of the girls are so sweet and they want me at their wedding and they want me to be part of it. And I'm so grateful for that, but I do try to keep that professionalism. It would, I'd imagine it would also be hard, like – um, you'd be at a wedding every week. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, like it's exactly. impossible. And if you go to one, it's kind of like, well, I have to go to the other. So, yeah. you know, I, I, having that line, yeah. it's kind of like, you know, sometimes with business you, you do need rules. Yeah. Like at Cub we have rules and like sometimes people are like, oh, can we, can, you know, can I have this? And say, so, well, look, unfortunately you can't because if we did that for you, we'd have to do, offer that to every member because we need it to be fair. Yeah. And like it's kind of similar thing to you. It benefits, it makes it fair for the clients Absolutely, it also benefits yeah. you because for you to perform, and you are performing in terms of designing. Yeah, you need to be in your in your A game. Yeah, that's right. So you need to have that time to relax, break, and probably not think about weddings. Definitely, recouping and just getting yourself, you know, just getting yourself back to, you know, just a clean slate so you can get back into it the next week is totally important. And tell yeah. me, how do you, how do you like? I don't know how you think about it. How do you plan to scale your business or how did you plan to grow it? Because how many, uh, I mean, I assume you'd you'd get to the point where I can't produce any more dresses than I am now because Mm -hmm. I can't design any, I haven't got the time to design. Yeah, and resource, like resources is a big thing. Like what do you mean? Like um, people, people power. You know, within Australia we have um, the creative world is, not as great as it is in Paris or in Beirut or in Europe, you know. So we have to make do with, not make do, but we have an amazing creative talent of people here in Australia, but they're a little bit more limited. In numbers. In numbers. And and so how big is the team that you'd have in the... Currently we have a team of 17. Oh, wow. Pre-COVID we had 25. Oh, that's a lot of people going into a dress. Yeah. Look, these are handmade dresses. Oh my god! You know, oh, talk me through the process. Yeah, talk, talk me through. How does a dress actually become? Look, we've started. We've just started, sort of. That's a lot of people um, doing our beading overseas, and sort of the gown comes here and it's puzzled together. A lot of the hand beading that we do in house stays in house, but some of them that are on a bigger scale, we we send overseas and it's beaded into our panels, brought back here to be pieced together by hand. It's like a house. It's like a house. You ship some parts in from overseas. You got to get the local, the local. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. You just, you know. And one thing I'm learning about business is to not keep all your eggs in one basket. Yes. You know. Yeah. And that was so. That was my question. So, have you 
tr- ever thought about expanding outside of wedding dresses? I don't know if that'd be a good idea because I think focus is, is always the right thing. But like, how have you thought about growing the business further than, yep. than, than, than it was at one point? We're just currently working on our ready to wear, made to order collection of evening wear, mm-hmm. which it's just in the infancy stages, but I'm hoping to develop it into, you know, a walk-in boutique. You buy a dress, you walk out. Is that you know? what I saw when I walked in yes. not so long ago, the one I was talking about for my girlfriend? Yes. That's what that is. That's what that That's is. That's hot. Yes. I love all that stuff you yeah. designed. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not a designer. I wouldn't know. But I assure you my girlfriend would like it yeah. all too. <laughs> okay, so that's the next step. So, so that, yeah. that adds another element. And that's what you were saying in terms of um, – all your eggs in the same basket. And I'm yep. assuming you may have learned that also with COVID perhaps because Absolutely, it's kind of like, yeah. actually Absolutely. talk to me about that. I haven't even asked you about COVID. COVID. And, yeah. What a time for everybody. Oh my God. For a wedding dress designer though, especially. Yeah. I will never forget that first week where the government puts out that announcement that everything is to be called off. All parties, all weddings, all, and nothing. And that, nothing to that gathered people would be allowed to go ahead. And we had, we, you know, we had brides flying in from all over the world interstate to have their gowns made with us. And it was just a flurry of people flying in to pick up their dresses oh because they, God. I don't know how much time, do you remember how much time they gave us? No, nah, I can't. It was it like a week or so. No, the word was out, you know. And then we had brides standing in their dresses where they actually confirmed that weddings are going to be called off. So all these brides set to be married in three days. I've just spent $300,000 on their wedding. Their wedding gown is finished and they're standing there like a deer in the dress. headlights going, oh, my God, this it's all finished. I'm not having this wedding. Oh, my God. It was, the, it was sad and disastrous. How, what did you think you – what were you going to do? We, we, we just went into survival mode for everybody. So we were just like, um, I don't know, what do you say to a bride? What do you say? But what about we for your know? team? We, look, yeah, that was a hard part And for as well. you, and for yeah. you. In the end, we were left with three people because a lot of my team were living in, you know, how they um, ended up chain, like closing off areas and you weren't allowed to travel five kilometres away from your area. Yes. We lost all of our team. Yeah. Oh, my God, because so you're in Paddington. So we had to rebuild through COVID, we had to rebuild our team. Wow. Yeah. That's We had some team members stay with us. Some were like I've got um, people, ladies that work for me and they've been with me for 12 years. Um, so, you know, what I did, what I worked hard to do is just keep everybody employed. And then anybody that couldn't leave their house, we just – we just, you know, we just kept everybody employed as much as we can. And we ended up, some of the team went on. Um, leave. Went on leave and um, what's job saver was yeah, it? Yeah, job keeper. Where, job sa- one was job saver, one was job, job keeper. I can't remember. Whatever, the government and, you was know, anything, them. yeah, just anything to survive everybody. Oh, my God. That, would, then, have yeah. been, that would have been crazy. It was crazy. And, and so did that, I mean, did that kind of inspire then, you know what, let's also do, not that people were going out during that period anyway, but did that, did that assist in the inspiration of, hey, let's do some ready-to-wear pieces? It did. Yeah, because you would have been like, okay, well, if, wedding, if weddings, yeah. are, you never would have thought weddings could disappear, but And then they overnight, do. Daniel, overnight wedding gowns became simpler because girls just needed to get married really fast. Wow. So that created, that ushered in a whole new era 
of the simpler wedding gown. And has that still translated it has. to today? It absolutely has. Yeah, because you probably need it faster, yes. perhaps less expensive as well. Absolutely. Because it's like, well, it could be called. Look, pre-COVID, you, I don't know if you remember, Daniel, the weddings were out of control in Sydney. Huge. The whole world was watching Australian weddings. Wow. And we were just. Why do you think that is? I don't know. I think it's social media. Yeah, Everything but everywhere's was, got social media. Why Australian weddings? Because we were having big weddings. We were L- having big weddings. Largely fueled by the Lebanese community. Yeah, like it was Beirut <laughs> weddings, the yeah. big Lebanese weddings in Beirut, yeah. or these weddings in Sydney that were just going viral. Wow. You know, and the, I don't know if you noticed, but weddings have simplified a lot now. Yeah, I w- they have because I know a lot of people weren't sure what, what was going to happen. That's right. Like, it's amazing how, how every aspect affects your business, yeah. like anyone's business. Absolutely. And, and your team. So talk to me about your team. You've got a, a 17 plus people. Yes. Amazing team uh, made up of women and men and they've all got their, their, their certain roles. So every, it's almost like a, ch- a link in a chain. One person's doing one role, it moves on to the next, on to the next, on to the next to make this gown what it is at the end. So a gown truly is a huge team effort. Absolutely. And your role in that team effort is what? It's the actual, this is the design and the make of the gown or do you yeah. also have designers assist you? No, the, the team also assists me. So they'll sometimes say to me, you know, we think this fabric might be better. I'm like, okay, great. One thing I'm really big on is, um, you know, obviously hearing them out if they believe in something. So um, we work together like a lot of the times – Sebastian, who cuts the gown, will come to me and he'll say, um, I'm thinking of layering it like this. And I'll say, great, I think that's a great idea, Seb. Let's do it like that. Um, sometimes they just follow my notes. I've always got notes for people to guide for, guide them through the next process of the gown, from the cutting to the detailing, um, you know, even the beaders, um, the, team of the, the team that work on all the beading. I give them a brief and then they'll produce something and I'm like, wow, it's amazing. Or sometimes I'll tweak it. It's yeah. incredible. What's the most expensive gown that you've ever made? Um, at 45000 Wow. Yeah. And they're going to wear Which it is once. Not, you know, considering when you're dealing with the big guns like Ellie Saab and all those, the greats. Um, you call them the greats. Yeah. <laughs> their minimum is like 75000 USD. No, it's not. And that's an evening dress. No. True story. What? And why though? What makes it more, what would make, in, so Ellie Saab is a Lebanese designer. Yes. And there is, a he or a she? He. He. And he lives in Lebanon? He lives between Lebanon, Paris, and I've heard Switzerland. And is he, would he, would you call him like a, an idol or an inspiration or would you call him a competitor? Uh, an idol and an inspiration. Okay. Yeah. And when was the first time that you, Heard about him? Uh, when he dressed Halle Berry for the Oscars. <laughs> well, he would not have been. You and ever, I was looking at this dress going, who made this dress? <laughs> and it was her iconic speech. You remember that speech? No, I don't. Halle, oh, you've got to watch it. Oh, I should. What, she, what did she talk about? She was the first black woman to win an Oscar. Was she really? So she was highly emotional. It's, you have to watch her speech. And she's wearing an Ellie Saab. And she's wearing this Ellie Saab dress. So she put him on the map as well as being the first black woman to win an Oscar. Oh, wow. And she, she's crying and saying how the door is now open for women of colour or people of colour. To be recognised. The recognition. I get goosebumps just thinking about that speech. You've got to watch it. Wow. And um, it's an iconic moment. 
And and so what would then your aspirations be as a designer? Like what's next here for, for you? Um, I would probably say creating a business that doesn't solely rely on me being there to design for every bride, um, which I'll always do that because uh, it's my love and my passion, but I also want to target a whole new audience of girls that just want to come in and buy a dress. Mm. They're happy not to see me. They're happy to put it off the, off the rack, try it on, say, yep, I love this dress and have it made. And would that be like so a lower cost Dress a, it is a different cost to seeing me and having the couture process. Yeah. So, I mean, and you'll see that with other, like, you'd see that with other companies. Like, for example, cars. You know, you can buy a Mercedes. That's, that's you, know, it's, you know, it's the luxury of a Mercedes. But you can also buy a Mercedes that, I'm still in a Mercedes. Yeah. But it's more affordable and Absolutely. Maybe, it may be quicker, more practical or whatever And that's what I want to be as well. I want to be, I want to make the brand attainable. Yeah. Cater to a broader market. Yeah, because we also do, I don't know if you know this, but we also do jewellery, which is stocked in uh, Australia-wide through David Jones. I didn't know that. Yeah, so we have a jewellery line which is doing really well and it's amazing how many men buy the jewellery. They'll they'll call us and they'll say, oh, my my fiancé couldn't afford to buy one of your dresses but I want to create a dream come true and, you know, she's got your earrings on the day and it's really special that the brand is at that point. You know, I think so I love too. hearing those stories and I love to make it accessible. Well, I think that's also special because rather than going perhaps the Elisab direction, which is the lesser attainable, yeah. you you do want to give people more access to the brand. To the to the brand. And it's really, I think, more than just a brand, it's a feeling. Yeah. It's, you know, I I'm I I've got uh, I, I I'm ha- I'm having Stephen Khalil part yeah, of an, my of my day. Being married. And it's all part of a dream and an emotion. When a bride comes to see me, it's an, it's an emotionally charged event for her. Yeah. You know? Yeah. If, if it's a childhood dream. Time. A lot of the girls, you know, not I'm not saying that it's, the dream is for me to make it. It's the dream is to be a bride. Yeah. But, to, but to also. To have that golden moment in that gown. and But having a famous designer design your dress is a big deal. Absolutely. It just makes it extra special. Mm. And I always say to the girls, you're so lucky that you can do this. There's so many girls that would dream to have, to go through this process, whether it be me or another designer or anyone, it's a dream process. And do you know what else? I I, I stupidly use the car, (laughs) cars as an example, but, but uh, labels do the same thing. You know, you have like Giorgio Armani and then yep. you have Emporio Armani or that's you have right. Dolce Gabbana and then you have D&G. That's like, right, exactly. The brands do that. Like yes. that's and that's a smart strategy. And so that's what you're pushing yep. tiers, further towards. Different yes. tiers in the brand. And if you, you think know? about it, like all brands do start with um, a thing like, and then they expand. Like Louis Vuitton was the trunk. Hermes yes. was the handbag. Yeah, I don't know what Dior was, but but yeah, you, you know, like they they do have that yeah. that focal point, and then they expand from that. Yeah, and they evolve that trunk. Mm. You know, you can buy the classic trunk, or you can buy a trunk yeah. with graffiti on it, or you can buy a trunk with dots on yeah. it. You and know, then like, and then you can buy sunglasses with the same brand as the trunk. Absolutely. <laughs> so that's what it is. That's what creates a successful brand is all the tiers and making it accessible and. Sticking to the brand's original aesthetic. Yes. And, and really I important. think it really is also providing an emotion and a feeling mm-hmm. because, you know, when you do go into, uh, when you do wear a, a branded, I mean, it's the power of a brand. When you wear 
uh, Chanel. Yeah, Chanel. Well, Chanel started with the jacket, and My then God. yeah, and then. Do you know, Daniel, that that original purse, the quilted purse, it's the same design from 1920. Wow, she's it's that dress has survived a hundred years. She's my fav, favorite female entrepreneur of all time. Oh, I love. Coco if there was Chanel. one designer that I would want to meet in my life, it would be her. Really? Yeah, yeah. she's what a woman. She's the goat of. She she's lived the greatest of all time. Wars through, um, you know, everything. We've like, been we've been looking for art, um, for our new HQ. Yeah, and there's a Coco Chanel. Um, it's like fifteen grand. It's 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 uh, like a photo of her. I don't know who the famous photographer is, but he's, yeah. he's some big photographer, and it's signed. And she's sitting there, and it's a black and white thing. She's kind of in the background. She's sitting on a, like a luxury single lounge, yeah. And she's leaning forwards with a cigarette, smoking, and she's just staring at this person wearing a jacket. Like yeah. she's like just she's analyzing looking, the yeah, jacket. Yeah, it's just such – you can just see she's yeah. doing something incredible. Like yeah. she, she's doing something incredible. But it comes back to that feeling when, you know, if you're lucky enough to ever purchase a Chanel uh, jacket or, or coat, that plushness of it, oh, that, yeah. you know, the, the thickness, of, but the lightness at the same time, yeah. the structure and then the frill and the design, you know, you'll feel, you feel special. A hundred, hundred percent. Yeah. but yeah. And, and that, that feeling of specialness, they somehow then also translate to something small like a wallet yeah. or a belt. You know, it, it's that translation of, of, yeah. of, of emotional feeling that, yeah. and that's what you're doing. With, yeah. Like you, you're in, obviously these are old, old brands. Yours is a, a newer brand a comparison. Yeah. But you're making dream, the transition. Yeah, my dream would be that somebody, after I've gone, takes the name and does what they did with Chanel and Dior and YSL. They were all just young designers yes. doing their thing. Pioneer, like it was so much easier to pioneer something in that day as well. Today it's so much harder to be new at something because everything has been done. How are you meant to do what they're doing when when what they were doing was new? It's true. You know? There, there was, yeah. It, it's getting harder. Yeah. I mean, I even think what you did though, break. how many people want to be a fashion designer? Literally yeah. half the people I've ever met in my life. Yeah. Yeah. How many people have ever become a successful fashion designer? Yeah. Like, I have a lot of friends. I've got a lot of friends that are business owners. You're the only one wow. that I know that that is a successful fashion designer. You know, it's it's just it's it's such a, a difficult. It's harder thing to now, do. Daniel. I think you know. It's if I was to go back and do it all again, I don't know if I could do it because when you're young, you're just so naive, and you're just rolling with the punches. You know, but um, it's definitely a hard work. You would know, like it, it's. If you were to go back and do so many of the things you've done again, could you do it again? Well, you yeah, that, that we, I think when you do them the first, uh, yeah, when you know how hard it is, yeah, that's the difference. At the start, you don't know how hard it is, so you're just following a blind path and yeah. you're just hoping for the good part to come. Yeah. Whereas when you look back, you're like, oof, <laughs> you know, like that was exhausting. That was hard. Yeah. And and tell me, what's the feeling for you personally when you see one of your dresses? on a red carpet at the like Grammys or whatever, whatever. Oh. I, I don't know what red carpets you've been on. Uh, what red carpets have you been on? And what is the feeling that, you know, of seeing your creation on a, on a celebrity walking, yeah. walking with all the cameras oh in the world? For walking. a young, for any designer, Daniel, it's complete elation. It's like, it's the ultimate dream. 
you know, Hollywood. I remember being a young kid and dreaming about Hollywood and Disneyland. And um, so, yeah, we've been on the red carpet um, for the Oscars, for Vanity Fair parties, for the Grammys, Golden Globes. Oh, wow. You've been on all the red carpets. Yeah. It's been and it's, an it's, incredible it's journey. Every time? Sorry, is it a special every time? Yes. I, I shouldn't have spoken Absolutely. It is. Obviously, the bigger celebrities are more extra special, but it's, who's a celebrity that you've had? Um, we've had Kylie Jenner. Wow, we've had. Jennifer. Well, that's as famous as it gets. Yeah, yeah, for sure. We've had Emily Ratajkowski, who's oh, wow. who wore a very iconic sheer bustier and skirt at the time, and it was very not. No one was doing that sort of a thing at the time. And, and how does that come though? How does that happen? Like how, they give you a call, hey, Stephen, we'd love for you to Yeah, we to have dress PR us. in the US, my PR and showrooms in the US. So they their stylists just do pulls from all the designers. So it's like know? a tender. Yeah. It's kind of like it's a lot to do with the building industry. It's the fashion yeah. industry, isn't there? Like, yeah. So they'll come and say, look, Kylie Jenner wants to wear a dress for the, this awards or this, right. this party. Yeah. Um, we'd love to see what you have to – We'd love to see what you have to, yeah, to offer. Yeah, we direct them to our US showrooms. And and they go look and then they choose. Yeah. Is that what happens? And you've got to remember they're in a room full of every designer in the world. So when they choose yours. It's special. Huge. Yeah. Do they keep the dress? No, yeah, they that do was, not. Yeah, that's good because. Unless <laughs> they want to buy it, they don't keep the dress. Okay. Yeah. That's awesome. That, and that's the ultimate. That, that's I've made it in the fashion world. Yeah. It's such a dream come true. I can't. It's hard to describe that feeling. Yeah, it's almost as though I could die tomorrow <laughs> and everything would be great. I love it. Well, <laughs> we do have to wrap up today, but before we finished, I wanted to ask what your what your greatest lesson in business or in leadership has been today. And you can take a time, you can take a moment to think about it if if you need. But I think the, the greatest lesson would have to be making bad choices but learning from them. That's, you know, you've got to make mistakes in business. And I also think you've got to follow your instincts. If your heart and your gut is telling you something's not right, 99.9% of the time it's not going to be right. Mm -hmm. So. Make a bad thing a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. There's always the opportunity. Don't let it collapse you. Just grow from it and go, okay, I've done that. I'm not going to do that again. And let it be a step up. To where you're going. I agree. That would be one of my, actually, if someone asked me the question. Yeah. Um, and in fact, in 150 episodes, I've never asked myself that question, <laughs> but you are 150 episodes, as you know, but but that would be one of mine, turn every bad thing to a good thing. Yeah. And to our amazing Catching Up With Cub listeners, if you want to get in contact with Stephen, uh, find out more information about Stephen, you can go to cub.club forward slash podcast and you'll find more there. If you want to catch up with Cub on socials, it's at Club United Business. On Instagram, it's equally as awesome. Stephen, my good friend, thank you so much for coming in today. Daniel, absolute pleasure. That was a great chat. Thank yeah, 150 you. episodes you are. That's 150 wow. hours of I'm me talking to, talking to business people wow. and entrepreneurs. That's brilliant and I'm yeah. honoured. Thanks, Daniel. No, I'm honoured to have you and very grateful to have you as a friend. Thank you. Same. I hope you enjoyed the show. Thank you.